Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, March 22nd. On this date in 1956, singer Carl Perkins was hurt in a car crash in Delaware. He was on his way to perform on the Ed Sullivan Show and the Perry Como Show, but the crash meant he had to spend months in the hospital. By the time he was released, a new performer named Elvis Presley had covered Perkins' big hit song, and Perkins' career was never the same. Can you guess the song I'm talking about? I'll have that answer in just a bit. But first, let's see what that Wednesday forecast has in store. And good Wednesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Silvide. Not as chilly out the door finally this morning. We'll start out on average about 50 degrees. Clouds increasing, though, and a small chance of a shower this morning. There will be a few hit or miss showers this afternoon. Highs today near 70 degrees. Clouds and a few showers today. Now all that clears out tomorrow. Sunshine and we're going to be much warmer up to 81 degrees. We had 85 on Friday under mostly sunny sky. A cold front on Saturday will bring the chance of a couple of showers and storms in the afternoon at 81. And then just a small chance of rain late in the day on Sunday at 84. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Attorneys representing Stephen Smith's family announced that the state law enforcement division is now considering his death a homicide. The 19-year-old was found dead back in 2015 on the side of the road in Hampton County. Initial reports from the state highway patrol indicated his death was caused by a hit-and-run car crash. But now his attorneys say state police agree with them that that is not actually the case. They say Sled Chief Mark Keel gave that update during a phone call yesterday. In a joint statement, attorneys Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter said Sled officials don't need to exhume Smith's body to tell them it was a homicide, but they will do so to gather more evidence, saying, quote, we are committed to finding out what really happened and getting the peace and justice the Smith family deserves. Now, Sled reopened that investigation into Smith's death in 2021, saying evidence that was uncovered while investigating the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch, the wife and son of convicted killer Alec Murdoch. According to information obtained from Highway Patrol's investigation, the Murdoch name was brought up multiple times in interviews with Smith's family and friends about his death. Now, no suspects have been named in the death, but as that investigation continues, Alec Murdoch's surviving son, Buster, is addressing the rumors surrounding the case. Buster released a statement earlier this week in response to what he's calling the baseless rumors, saying in part, I unequivocally deny any involvement in his death, and my heart goes out to the Smith family. The Murdoch family was not interviewed during the course of the initial investigation into Stephen Smith's death. Now, lawyers representing the family of an inmate who died at the Alcannon Detention Center say the system failed him, allowing him to suffer for months until it was too late. This comes after the Charleston County coroner labeled D'Angelo Brown's death a homicide. Chef Kristen Graziano released a statement saying she wasn't surprised by the coroner's report. She also said that she had full confidence in her detention center staff that concerns about Brown's medical treatment were documented and referrals were made. James B. Moore III, who represents the family, says that might be true, but that does not absolve the sheriff's office from the responsibility to make sure Brown was okay. A civil a lawsuit has been filed in this case against both Charleston County and the Sheriff's Office, which details the 125 days that Brown spent at the jail in the Behavioral Management Unit. He was often noted to be in poor condition, was even hospitalized, but his attorneys say he didn't receive the medications he needed for his mental illness. 
The Charleston Police Department is asking for your help identifying someone they say may be connected to an assault. Police say that assault happened early Sunday near Market Street in downtown Charleston. CPD gave this picture to us. They say the person that you see here is who they believe they should be investigating. If you know this person, you see on your screen, or if you have any information, contact the Charleston Consolidated Dispatch. That number is right there on your screen. Charleston County deputies are looking for a man who they say has been wanted since November of last year. The sheriff's office says 29-year-old Dante Gregg is wanted for obtaining goods by false pretenses after he used counterfeit money to pay off a vehicle loan with Title Max on James Island in August of 2022. Deputies say Gregg has avoided authorities since that arrest warrant was issued back in November. Anyone with information should contact the sheriff's office. That number is also there on your screen. A 350-unit housing development in the town of Ravenel is one step closer to being built. The town's council approved the development during its first reading. Molly McBride spoke with several residents who are openly against this development. Residents I spoke to tell me they moved to this town in the first place because it's rural and they worry that developments like this could change the community they grew up in. Angela Brown says she's lived in Ravenel her entire life. Before that, her grandparents and parents lived here as well. She said she's not entirely against new development in the town, but thinks 350 units will disturb the community and is wondering how the people of Ravenel will benefit from the development. I've always known it as a rural area, country, walking bare feet on a dirt road, watching the birds in the trees. We used to play in the woods. Last night, Ravenel's town council unanimously approved the 350-unit development with contingencies, including adding a 100-foot buffer for residential areas and restricting gasoline sales, big box stores, and boat stacking in the development's commercial portion. I spoke with the mayor of Ravenel, Stephen Tumbleson, who said he believes the development will benefit the community financially and that it will be non-invasive to the surrounding community. The entire Tri-County area is changing, and I don't particularly like it. I, I grew up right down the road. Um, I've seen the changes. Um, it, we're trying to manage that with the developments that we have approved uh, in the last couple of years. Although last night's approval was unanimous, it was just the first reading. The second reading will be held at the town's council meeting next week. Reporting in Ravenel, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Now, there was no public comment at last night's meeting because of the town's public comment procedures, but we did receive this comment letter from the Coastal Conservation League that reads, in part, the town of Ravenel should take its own steps to protect the natural resources and quality of life in the area by explicitly requiring within the PD that no wetlands will be filled to accommodate the development in order to maintain the valuable ecosystem services they provide. We reached out to the developer. We have not heard back. Those making the drive up to Columbia should expect some delays soon. The South Carolina Department of Transportation is set to begin work on a new project on I-77 this week. The Interstate Deck Rehabilitation Project will restore a total of 17 bridge decks along both sides of I-77 in Columbia between the I-26 interchange and Bluff Road. That's a mile marker 0 and mile marker 5, not too far from Williams-Brice Stadium. SCDOT is currently repairing and replacing hundreds of deficient bridges across the state. 
This comes as part of the agency's strategic 10-year plan to improve South Carolina's roads and bridges. A new state bill would eliminate the limit on how much beer you can take home from your favorite South Carolina craft brewery. Right now, you can get 48 ounces of beer at the brewery for on-site consumption. And you can take home 288 ounces, equivalent to a case of 12-ounce cans. This bill would eliminate that second cap, so you could take home as much of your favorite craft brew as you would like. The bill would also allow breweries with multiple locations to more easily transfer beer between those locations, remove current permitting barriers for special events, and allow breweries to distribute their beer on their own to retailers without involving a wholesale distributor. Lots of our members live in communities where it would be beneficial for them to be able to carry a keg of their beer across the street from their location to a retailer. With the analogy using, we just want to take a keg across the street, well, they would just be taking them to their favorite retailers competing against their, their wholesaler. The state's brewers and its wholesalers are under a tight timeline with a key deadline to get bills passed in one chamber coming up soon. Congressman James Clyburn and Senator Brad Hutto have donated nearly $1 million in funding to the Cecil Williams Rights Museum in Orangeburg. Clyburn and Hutto presented the funds to Cecil and Barbara Williams, the co-founders of that museum, yesterday. The money will provide operating funds for the museum, which Cecil has personally funded for the first four years of existence. It will also help with the renovation of the State Theater at the historic railroad corner for the museum. Cecil Williams is known for his civil rights activism and photography. A vacant James Island lot is now getting a makeover that will prevent flooding on other properties in the neighborhood and will also add some much-needed vegetation to the site. Yes, Samantha Popovics joins us live from James Island this morning. So, Samantha, how exactly will this property be used to prevent flooding and other damage to homes? Good morning. This property on Shoreham Road is the first James Island single residential home to property, sorry, being used as a small water retrofit after being demolished due to severe flooding. Matthew Fountain is the director of stormwater management for the city of Charleston. Fountain says the city had acquired the flood prone residential property on Shoreham Road with a FEMA grant as well as the city's small project allocations from their water budget of a million dollars. The house was demolished to provide what he says will serve as a semi-immediate improvement to the neighborhood for flooding. Fountain tells me the city has begun contracting with the landscaper to replant the property using vegetation to the land that is ecologically beneficial and attractive to the community. The city is retrofitting the property, digging out some of the soil, which will provide an area to store some water temporarily during rainstorms. He says it will then drain out and come back to landscape the property to make it an attractive site. The city was looking for a home that had been consistently damaged by flooding. This home was acquired due to the damage, of course, from flooding. It will certainly not fix the flooding in this area from this one impact, but it will significantly decrease the flooding or make some improvement to flooding during smaller rain events, afternoon thunderstorms, give a chance for water to be held on a property instead of in streets and in other people's homes. I'm told the city is looking at three more houses that will be demolished to retain flood water as well. Fountain says this style of the project is in result of a partnership with the Dutch Embassy, who was brought to in to look for ways to help resolve flooding and mitigation. Reporting live on James Island, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date, a car crash changed the career of singer Carl Perkins. 
By the time he got out of the hospital months later, Elvis Presley had covered Perkins' hit song, and Perkins' career was never the same. That hit song was Blue Suede Shoes. Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, talk about living long and prospering Star Trek's original Captain Kirk. Actor William Shatner is 92. Actor M. Emmett Walsh is 88. News anchor Wolf Blitzer and composer Andrew Lloyd Webber are both 75. Sportscaster Bob Costas is 71. Singer-actress Stephanie Mills is 66. And actress Reese Witherspoon is 47. Thanks again for tuning in to Morning Y'all by Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all. Produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.